0: Redemption. Redemption. We've been in a series on redemption, and this idea of redemption is, is so incredible and it's so woven through the Bible. And you read the story of Jesus, and, and we, we've talked over the last three weeks about how most, most great books or most great movies have a thread of redemption in them a second chance, if you will, a comeback story. So we, we've defined redemption, so let's, let's define that together. Redemption defined as the action of saving or being saved from sin or error, the action of gaining or regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or the clearing of a debt. So that, that's redemption defined. That's redemption defined. And so as we walk through this, this story and we're going to look at the life of Jesus, we're going to look at the death of Jesus, we're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus. But the whole idea behind this is the redeeming power that comes through the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God that allowed him to send his only son to die for us on the cross and after that death be rose from the grave. And, and by the way, he's coming back one day. So redemption. So let's, let's read the story. Luke 24, one through 12. You have your Bible. I'll give you just a moment to turn there. Luke 24, one through 12. Luke 24, one through 12. Here we go. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Verse 6, he is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words when they came back from the tomb. They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Johanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Men, don't try that at home, okay? (laughs) Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for what this weekend means to us and what it means to the foundation of our faith. Lord, as we just explore this idea of redemption, God, we pray that your, your word would change us so that we could change the community that you've placed us in. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. The redemption of the blank page, and we'll, you'll, you'll figure that out as we go throughout the, this sermon tonight, but, but so, so the redemption of the blank page. So let's just get into this. Number one, his life, speaking of Jesus, his life was a living revolution of redemption. I want you to think about this just for a second. The life of Jesus was a living revolution of redemption. Everywhere Jesus went, he was modeling redemption for people everywhere he was either modeling it or he was telling stories about it now watch this so, so maybe you're here today I don't know how some of you were raised or maybe I don't know like what kind of church you grew up in or what you know about Jesus or what you've heard about Jesus uh, unfortunately many of the things maybe you've heard about Jesus is, aren't true that's why we here at Coastline we encourage everyone to read their Bible it, it, you don't have to be special to read your Bible but when you read your Bible you are special read your Bible so I don't, I don't know your background. I don't know all that. So, so maybe some of this tonight would change your perception on, on Jesus. But everywhere he went, he was living out redemption. He was changing things. He was, he was taking the law and turning it to grace. And, and so he, he was coming on the scene and he, he was exploring this idea of redemption. John 10.10 10 says this. The thief, meaning the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus is saying, I have come on the scene so that, no longer do you have to live under the law. No longer do you have to be bound by rules and regulations that you can't meet anyway. But I've come so that you may have life and have it to the full. See, the world tries to convince us if we have enough and we get enough and we make enough and we do enough and, and, and we get the bigger house and we get the car that smells. Don't you love new car smell? <laughs> We've talked about that before. How many of you got a new car lately? Praise the Lord for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. But, 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 but the world teaches us there's nothing wrong with new cars. We, we got a new car recently. Yeah, I love that smell. Praise God. So does the bank. The bank loves new car smell. No, I'm just kidding. But, but Jesus is saying, look, I've come to fulfill. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. So I've come that you might have life and have life to the full. John 3, 16. Everyone knows that, right? But who, who knows? No, I'm, you can go back. John but very rarely do we quote John 3.17. Like if I were to ask you, hey, what's John 3.16 say? Most everyone in this room, even if you don't attend church regularly, you'd say, Yeah, I think I've seen some guy holding that up behind the goalpost at a football game, right? Like, or stretching his shirt or doing something. You would you would, yeah, John 3.16 rings the bell. Where have I seen that before? But even those of us who attend church regularly, and maybe are even in the word regularly, don't don't focus as much on John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, this perception that we may have of a Jesus that that came to condemn the world or a God that's constantly mad at us because we don't measure up is totally uh, in, in contradict to the word of God. The word of God says, look, I've come so you can have life and have it to the full. And then John 3, 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's redemption. Think about this just for a second. We talked about the woman at the well. Jesus came on. On the scene to redeem her to her purpose he said where is your husband she said I don't have a husband he said you're right you've had five and the man you're with right now is not your husband that wasn't the point the point was he was revealing to her who he was and those that were going to worship him could worship in spirit and truth she then turns around this lady who had to come to the well at noon because she was tired of being talked about she goes back to her hometown and revival starts Jesus goes to a town he shouldn't have even went to and he stays for a few days Days, teaching about redemption. Think about a woman called adultery. We talked about her. He's redeeming her. She's thrown down. And he actually asked her the question. He says, Where are those that condemn woman? Where are those that condemn you? And she said, They're gone. And he said, Then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Redemption redemption you, you you think about you think about Zacchaeus Zacchaeus nobody likes Zacchaeus but Jesus says come down i have to stay at your house today Jesus redeems Zacchaeus from being the scourge of his community to being a, an upstanding citizen. When Jesus was not modeling redemption with his life, he was talking about redemption. He was talking about the prodigal son. He was talking about leaving the 99 to find the one. He was talking about the lost coin. That's what Jesus is about. He is, Jesus is the story. Jesus. That, that's why we, we celebrate this weekend, but not just this weekend, every day. Jesus is the story. Jesus is the storyline. And so you have this idea of the life of Jesus being this massive revolution of redemption. Everywhere he went, he was either modeling it or he was talking about it. He was coming on the scene to say, look, look, what you've been trying to do, I don't condemn you because you can't keep the law. Because the Bible says what the the law was powerless to do because of our flesh, God did for us. God did for us by, by sending his own son in the likeness of man to condemn sin in us. So what we could not do in reference to the law, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He he did what we couldn't do and then he gave himself at the cross. Which takes us to Mark 10, 45. That says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Redemption. Remember the definition of redemption because that's what we're talking about. To regain possession of. Every person in this room, in the overflow room, under the sound of my voice online, or whenever you're listening to this, maybe years from now, you were born on purpose and God loves you so much. He sent his only son to give his life as a ransom for you. You belong to God. You were created to belong to God. And so much so God made a way for you to be restored back to him. And his name is Jesus. Gave his life as a ransom for me. So the, 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 life of, the life of Jesus, he, it was a, a living revolution of redemption. Number two, his death gave birth to redemption. This is, this is powerful when you begin to think about the, the death of Jesus. So we look at the life of Jesus. He models redemption. He talks about redemption. He tells stories about redemption. He comes on the scene to fulfill the law. And, and, and he lives a sinless life. He had to do that. And then he presents himself to the cross, sinless and blameless. So in his death, he gives birth to redemption. Colossians 2, 13 through 15, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Verse 14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Let's stop right there. Do you remember the definition of redemption, right? To correct a sinner or error, to buy back, to regain possession, to pay off a debt. He, he, he canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So through his death, he birthed redemption. And what we couldn't do in the law, he did by giving his only son. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Think about this just for a second. What if someone came up to you after this church service, and this person had an unlimited amount of resource? I'm talking about rich, beyond rich, beyond rich, beyond rich, beyond, beyond anything you could fathom. And they said, you know, I saw you sitting over there with your family and I saw you getting out of that minivan. It looks like it's got a few hundred thousand miles on it. I, I, I saw you over there and, and God just laid it upon my heart to come over to you and God told me to tell you that I'm going to pay off every debt that you have. I can't even get an amen on that. Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> I, I am going to write it you. You tell me. Every person you owe, every bank, your mortgage, everything every i you give me a list of everyone you owe and give me the total amount you add it up yourself and go ahead and add a little extra in there for some fun time. <laughs> what how would that make you feel? <laughs> I mean. I know some of you are never going to respond to me and I'm I'm good with that. I've I've dealt with that in my own heart. But for the rest of us here, that that guy's got to feel pretty good. And cuz cuz I'd be like, "All right, does that mean can you give me till tomorrow because I'm going to take my little boat and I'm going to trade it on a big boat?" <laughs> no. No, but 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 think about if we really believe in eternity, and we really believe in heaven, and we really believe that we go somewhere when we die, and we really believe that what this Bible says, then then how much more so important is it that when we read Colossians two fourteen, where it says He has canceled the debt, the debt's been canceled, our indebtedness, that what we could not do through uh, by by fulfilling the law, Jesus did, God did for us by sending His only Son. And so we live in a world, in a culture, we live in a world of flesh, right? Squeeze yourself, pinch yourself. So we're alive, we're breathing. We Most of us have a job. And, and so, and back to the bill thing, most of us pay bills. We live in a very real world and we're very... Real people, but if we get our mind wrapped around the idea of eternity, and we we understand that we are fallen creatures, we because of someone else, something, someone, something, someone else did, named Adam and Eve, and we get our idea around that, and we get our mind around the idea that we actually need forgiveness in our life, and then when we read, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, which means when I stand before God, God's not going to see me for me. He's going to see me through what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross because he has redeemed me back to my purpose. Redemption. Redemption. Alright, so then you go to Romans 5, 6 and 8. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. When we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And you may be here today and you may say, you know what? I don't feel worthy of God's love. You might say, Jason... You don't understand where I come from. You don't understand what I've done. You you, you don't understand. Listen, none of us are really worthy of God's love. That's besides the point. God's love is unconditional. God's love is agape love. God's love is constant. It can't be earned. It's there. God loves you and you can't do anything about it. Because if you could do something about it, then you could earn God's love. And if you earn God's love, it wouldn't really be love. So while we were still yet powerless, Christ died for us, he, and, and he died for us even in our sin-ridden state. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, Ephesians 1-7. So we're talking about his death birthing redemption. Ephesians 1-7 says this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In him we have redemption Through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. There is no limit to God's grace. You can't go too far to get beyond God's grace. So if we're talking in accordance to the riches of, in other words, in accordance to the abundance of, in other words, in accordance to how much of this there is, then where you have to land is, you have to land, God's grace is enough. And his grace caused him to send Jesus Christ to die and shed his blood on the cross so that we could be redeemed and have the forgiveness of sin. Jesus crawled on the cross willingly. He did pray, not my will, your will be done. And then he cried out, it is finished. And when he cried out, it is finished. The Bible says the veil in the temple tore. Why is that important? Because the veil, the veil in the Old Testament, the veil kept kept sin out of the presence of God. And as humans, we're all creatures of sin. And if you read the Old Testament, you see you see all these things you had to go through to, to get in the presence of God. But when Jesus cried out, it is finished. The veil ripped apart, signifying that no longer do you have to go through tradition and sacrifice this or do this or say this or do this, that Jesus Christ had made a way for us to come into the presence of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest that's separate from us, yet one that was tempted in all ways, yet he lived without sin. Therefore, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness and confidence. In in our time of need. You don't need anybody else to do it for you. Jesus has already done it for you and through his death redemption was born. It's the gospel. It's it's good news. So so you take this idea of redemption and then you move it from the life of Jesus to the death of Jesus birthing redemption. And now let's talk about the resurrection of Jesus. So, number three, his resurrection gives hope for redemption. See, because if we stop the story at the death, then Jesus is really just another great prophet. He was just a guy who did some good things, who people wrote books about, and at that point, hey, maybe he was the Messiah, maybe he wasn't the Messiah. But baseline of our faith is, we don't stop on Friday. Sunday comes. And so the baseline of our faith has to do with an empty tomb and an empty tomb comes through the resurrection. Go back to the story, Luke 24, 5 through 7. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The son of man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. So, so here, here's the idea. His resurrection gives hope for redemption. If you, you keep going, First 1 Peter 1, 1.3 says it this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great, say that word with me, mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So without the resurrection, there is no hope, but praise be to the God, our father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. The Bible says, therefore, all who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior, we we we're birthed into a, a, a living hope is what the Bible says right there. The Bible also says if you're breathing, you have hope. Yes. Tell you what, a person who loses hope is a sad person. But there are a lot of us in this room right now. Those of us who have some miles on our life would say, you know, there are. T- that I can look back on areas and times in my life where I was tempted to lose hope. I, I was really tempted to give up. I was tempted to quit. The Bible says, if you, have, if you have breath in your body, you have hope. Because if you have breath in your body, you're still alive. And if you're still alive, there's hope for redemption. And there's hope for redemption because of the resurrection. Yes, wow. Praise be to God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The power of an empty tomb. 1 Corinthians says it this way. Where, O oh, death, is your victory, Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Is this starting to ring a bell here? Is this starting to make sense? This is the gospel. This This is Jesus. Jesus is the story. And so, but thanks be to God. So in other words, death came through sin. We know that we were never created to die you know that? God created Adam. Saul wasn't good for him to be alone, so created Eve. Adam was fishing too much. <laughs> and he, he would walk with him in the cool of the day. He created, he created in his own image just to be with them. We weren't created to die, and then sin entered in. So sin brought death. Sin brought the consequence of death. Have you ever... I'm, I'm enamored with stories, survival stories. And, I, and, you know, you know, I guess it was four or five years ago, 127 days, about the guy who uh, cut his arm off, you know what I'm talking about, to, to stay... 127 hours, sorry. That would have been something. <laughs> 127 days, that would have been something. But, but, and then I've, I've read stories about loggers who were cutting trees and by themselves and law and, and actually cutting their leg off to save their own life. We have a will to live as long as we hang on to hope. There's a will. We weren't created to die, but sin brought death. 1 Corinthians says, but now for what Jesus has done for us, there is no more sting to death and there is no more victory or power to the grave because the power of sin was found in the law but Jesus came and condemned the sin in us by fulfilling the law. And so then that brings us to victory. So the resurrection gives hope for redemption. Hope. We toss that word around a lot, hope. Hope, 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 hope this hope that hope floats. Hope this Hope is such a powerful word. Hope is such a part of redemption. Because anytime you, you, again, read a great book or or you see a great movie, it has a thread of redemption through it. There's always a thread of hope. There's always that one person or that one child or that one character there who refuses to lose hope on the person who said they were going to save them. Jesus did that for us. So, the resurrection brings the hope for redemption. And then, last thing. Redemption offers an opportunity to rewrite your blank pages. So, so you get to Luke 24, 12. We go back to that. And so, the women, they go back and they say, hey, he's not there. No one believed them and said, "This this is nonsense. And so, but Peter... Peter, in perfect Peter fashion, he runs to the tomb. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. I've told you this before. I believe when we get to heaven, I believe that we're going to get to see the Bible in ultra 3D panoramic colors we can't imagine, sight, smells, sounds, sounds. I believe that we're going to get to just relive every part of the Bible that ever, ever happened and even more because the Bible says if they, we were to write down everything that Jesus did and everything that happened, there wouldn't be enough pages. So, so but I, I want to see this one. I want to see the look on Peter's face when he looks in and he sees the strips of linen that Jesus had, but Jesus is not there. And so Peter goes away wondering to himself what had happened, possibly with a little doubt. See, Peter had, had, had denied Jesus three times. Peter had done what he said he would never do. Peter said, even if I have to die, I'm not going to do that. Even if I, Peter pulls out the sword and cuts, cuts the guy's ear off in the garden. Pete, this is Peter. And then he denies Jesus. He runs to the tomb, hoping maybe for something besides what they're saying. And he goes away wondering what had happened. So a few days go by and you you, you skip over into John and you see, uh, next verse please, thank you. John 21, three through seven. So all these things were told to people. People weren't, weren't believing it. And so what does Peter do? Peter says, I'm going out to fish. Amen. <laughs> hey, I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I don't understand. And here's a great spiritual lesson for you. As humans, a lot of times when we're confused about what God's doing in our life, we go back to what we know. Peter was a fisherman. That's what he knew. He knew how to fish. He said, I'm going to go out and fish because this three, three year or so crusade we've been on evidently is over. I, I just did what I said I wasn't going to do and, and they just crucified our leader and now we're probably in danger so I'm going to go out to fish. And they fished at night in those days. Simon Peter told them and they said, we'll go with you. So misery loves company. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. But when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Jesus has such a great sense of humor. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. And he runs. In other words, so you get this picture. He walks away from the tomb. He's scared. He doesn't know what's going on. So he goes and he does what he knows to do best. And, And then Jesus shows up on the scene. Why? Because Jesus was there to redeem Peter's purpose. Peter's the one who got to preach on the day of Pentecost. Peter's the one who walked down the street in his shadow, healed people. Peter's the one who went to Cornelius' house and preached the gospel. Peter, we read about Peter. We read about Peter all through the Bible. What if Peter would have refused to come back to Jesus because of regret? What if he would refuse to rewrite his future? What, What if? But he didn't. Jesus said, have you any fish? <laughs> I mean, Jesus spent three years with these guys, and he knew how dull they were. <laughs> you do a study on the disciples, it makes you feel really, really good about yourself. <laughs> I mean, really, we can seriously, we can identify with this. I can anyway. Maybe you're perfect. I don't know. But but you, you and so so having you any fish? Throw your net on the other side. They get all these fish. And then Peter, the moment of truth. What do I do? And Peter rewrites his future. He rewrites the blank pages of his future. If you're breathing, you have hope. The redemption of the blank page. I want you to do me a favor. If you haven't already found it, look under your seat. And under under your seat is a is a piece of paper with a pen. It's a gift for you. Yeah, she looked like this, and on the on the front of it. Okay, it's not that hard. It's either there, or it's not. All right. <laughs> I mean, this is not an egg hunt for adults. <laughs> so on the front, kind of. Kind of supposed to look like a book cover. The redemption of the blank page. You think about Peter, and I'll, I'll close this out tonight now by telling this story, and it will kind of tie us back into the blank page. Peter rewrote his future by filling in, allowing Jesus to redeem him. This young lady, her name is Tommy, she grew up in Georgia. Abused as a child. Terrible, terrible childhood. As soon as she was able, she graduated high school. She moved to L.A. to be an actor, actress. Beautiful young lady. She moves out there. And as we all know, I guess the percentage of people that actually move there who actually get to be actors or actresses is very small. So she falls in to the adult film business. That got some of your attention. She she falls in to, to the industry of pornography. And falls in with this group of people and, and spends a few years and everything that goes along with that lifestyle partying, sleeping all day, making films, partying all night, after many drugs, many needles, many different partners, she contracts the HIV virus. She gets AIDS. And she so she's still in LA away from her family and and, and so she she is put in a hospital. She wakes up one morning. She's in a house. She doesn't know where she's at. There's people around her She's never. she doesn't remember seeing. There's needles laying all around her. And she feels like she's dying. So she goes and she checks herself into a hospital. She check, check, checks herself into a hospital. They begin to monitor her. And they begin to kind of try to take care of her while they're figuring out what's going on. And And so as she's telling the story, she said, they even had to shock me one time to bring me back. And a friend of hers just asked her, was asking her a lot of questions. And she said, well, let me explain it to you like this. And this is Tommy's story. I'm gonna read it to you. I had this dream, she chuckled. I was standing on a stairwell inside a huge lighthouse. The stairwell spiraled around the inside of the walls of the lighthouse and it was packed with people like me. Each stood in line looking up toward the front where people were getting ready to meet whoever was up there. While they waited, they fussed over the pages in a book. Some looked like huge scrapbooks, while others looked like spiral notebooks. Everyone was working furiously like kids trying to finish their homework before class. But I didn't have one. Every now and then, we'd get to move a step closer to the top. I could see a man, maybe the lighthouse keeper, sitting at the desk reading the books Handed to him. If he liked the story, he smiled and placed it gently on the shelf behind him. The shelves went on for miles. Pretty gilded books, leather bindings, gold leaf. But he didn't like every book. And the ones he didn't like, he pitched down through the middle of the lighthouse. They fluttered down and landed into a huge fire that was mounted high as a house she was quiet for a moment as telling the story then she continued then I felt something in my hands and I looked down to find a book in them I opened it and I found the story of me and I didn't like it I didn't like it at all talk about depressing she says I nearly pitched it in the fire myself but then I got to the end and the last few pages were empty I looked up front and the line was moving sort of slow so I figured I still had time. And I I knew the story I wanted to write, so I raised my hand. Everyone looked at me like I'd lost my mind. But what did I have to lose? I'd already been dead. So I said, "Sir, you're not really going to like the story I've written. But if I could fill in these last few pages, you just might." he just looked at me like he knew what I wanted to ask so I went ahead can I go write these last few blank pages and come back when I'm done he studied me for a moment then he smiled and nodded I turned to the person behind me and said save my place walked down the steps and out the door Tommy laughed again then she says and I quote When I left, every hand in the place was raised. If you're breathing, you have the opportunity to rewrite your future. So the back of this, the redemption of the blank page, the rest of my story. The rest of my story. What do you want the rest of your story to look like? What do you want the rest of your story? What do you want your legacy to be? Because... See that for some of us in here in an overflow room some of us have not ever accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior. And so so maybe your book is filled with with regret of things you've done or hurt of people who have hurt you or, or lost dreams and 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 you're trying to find your way. Can I tell you Jesus Christ is the way, he is the truth and he is the life. So maybe that's you. Maybe you just you need to to rewrite your future by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior this Easter 2016 or perhaps maybe you're here and you know Jesus and there are some things in your story that you want to rewrite there are some things in your life that you know that if you don't change they're going to define your future but you have the opportunity that's the wonderful thing about redemption I hope you're hearing what I'm saying to you tonight that is the wonderful thing about redemption redemption's about second chances redemption is about being bought back Redemption is about God repossessing you from a fallen world full of sin, repossessing you from a life of regret, and, and regretting your past and your history. You can't do anything about yesterday, but you have a blank canvas today at this very moment, and you can rewrite your future by rewriting the blank page. I want you to take this with you when you leave. I want you to put it somewhere. And maybe you'll get along with God this week. And maybe you'll jot down some things on there. I want the rest of my story to look like dot, dot, dot. I want the rest of my story, dot, that's why we put dot, dot, dot on there. It's your story. It's your story. No one can write it for you. But the Bible does say this, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So he's done his part. Jesus has written the future that we can accept Isaiah 118 says this come now let us settle the matter says the Lord though your sins are like scarlet they shall be white as snow blank page though they are red as crimson they shall be like wool come now let's settle this matter The matter is sin. And Jesus settled that matter for us. Would you bow your heads over this place? Maybe maybe you're part of that group and you'd say, you know what, I need to start rewriting these, these blank pages by accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Maybe you're here and you would say, Jason, I can't point to a place and time in my life that I ever received Jesus Christ is my personal savior. Salvation's a faith issue, and the Bible says that each one of us are given a measure of faith. No one can put your faith in Jesus for you. You can't give enough, you can't do enough, no one can do any kind of magic wand, sprinkling, whatever. Nothing you get to decide what you do with your faith. We all do. That's why salvation is a matter of faith. Salvation is a matter of belief. That's why John 3.16 says, for whoever, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So salvation, being saved, it's not that complicated. It's you doing business with God, saying, God, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he is the Messiah. And at this very moment, I know I need to start this chapter of my life with accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. If that's you, no one's looking around here and in an overflow room, all heads are bowed. If that's you, will you lift your hand long enough for me to see and put it right back down? I see your hand, I see your hand. Anyone else? I, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I see your hand back there, thank you. That's awesome. Anyone else? Before we pray. You raise your hand after, after service. And if you would, come up to one of these tables or go out to the tent, get a Bible and a devotion. There's a table in the overflow room. But if you raise your hand right where you're sitting right now, would you just say this prayer with me? Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for redemption. And God, right now, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. And I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe He lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe he was placed in a grave and I believe he rose from that grave on the third day and I believe he's coming back for me one day. So God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that has led to the forgiveness of my sin and to a new life, a new birth into this living hope. Thank you, God, that you've restored hope in my heart. Now, Lord, help me to have the boldness to to go up and speak with someone and get a Bible and get a devotion. Lord, help put people around me that'll help me in this decision. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, for the rest of us,